After spending a decade at JP Morgan, all the way to becoming a VP, Eduardo decided he wanted to go from company advisor to company builder. Betterfly got 99 no's and one yes in the beginning, as Eduardo shares. After fundraisings and pivots, the corporate benefits platform became a unicorn back in 2022. Now, it's focusing on global expansion. In this episode, Eduardo and I talk about how to practice essentialism in our personal and professional lives. Eduardo's transition from financial exec to startup founder, including a journey to Africa, and the constant effort of leveling up. My name is Brian Reckworth, and this is Latitude Podcast. Vamos Latam. You were the CEO of the Santiago Pan American Games back in 2019. Yeah. And you represented Chile and the Ironman a lot of times. So how did this relationship with sports come about? And let's talk about some of those parallels of sports and business building. Sure. I think I think it started when I was pretty young. Started playing tennis. Tennis became, I always tell the story, my first passion in life. You know, I, I was a very couldn't stand still, right? I was moving all of the time and I, I discovered sports. It was the only way to be still in the classroom, right? And uh, and my dream was to become a, a professional tennis player. I, I actually trained here in, in, in Tampa for a while, played the, the U.S. Open in, in juniors. And uh, and yeah, that, that dream never became a, a reality. My, my dad passed away that time, you know, in that period of my life. And uh, sports was were, were left on, on, on a drawer, I would say, for many years. Went into engineering school, then went into, you know, into banking. And then later in life, uh, Brian, you know, like when I was 35, I, I, after I quit JP Morgan, I discovered, you know, I was 15 kilos heavier than I am today. Sports was not a part of my life. And I saw this video of the Ironman Hawaii triathlon, right? And uh, I don't know what got me inspired about the discipline, the work ethics around, you know, training for an Ironman. And I saw it's like something so impossible to do. And, I, and the story, I don't know if you've seen the, the one-hour summary in, of NBC. It's like, it's just day-to-day people that just finished a race that, that seemed impossible to, to begin with. So I signed up for a local, same as, as you told me earlier, an Olympic uh, distance race. I did a couple of those, then I did a, a 70.3, and one thing led to another. I was representing Chile in Ironman World Championships. And anyhow, to the question of how it relates to, you know, for me, endurance sports and building a company are have, a, have so many similarities. You know, both require a ton of grit, right? Finishing an Ironman, it's not about talent. It's about falling down and going back up a thousand times, right? It, it requires being passionate about what you do, right? If you're doing it for extrinsic motivators, it's not what's going to get you to the finish line. It requires, you know, uh, being very honest about, you know, what you're good at, what you're not good at, right? It requires uh, a lot of hard work uh, and it requires saying to no to a lot of things, right? A, a lot of people always ask me, how do you think, you know, have time, you have twins, you're building a company, you, you, you train for an Ironman. And, and the answer to that question is, you just have to say no to a bunch of things from social media to Netflix, so on and so forth. And I think building a company is about that as well. I think once you start, depending on the, on the stage you are scaling a company, it's, it's uh, the biggest challenge is saying no more than you say yes. Um, and anyhow, it's, it's about that, right? Resilience, you know, perseverance, loving what you do, passion, and, um, and setting, setting really ambitious goals. That, that, that's another one, right? When I started with Brathlon, there's no way I would ever imagine I would have been a you know, world champion runner-up or even finish an Ironman race, to be honest. Step by step, day by day, week by week, that became uh, a reality. 
There's two quick things I want to unpack. I mean, first of all, the art of saying no, it's hard because there's so many different opportunities. How do you figure out what moves the needle for you? How do you have the discipline to say no? And what warrants a yes versus a no? Yeah, that's a, that's a super good question. So I separate, you know, my, my no's and my yeses in my personal life, in my professional life, and in my family life. Today in my life, I have three priorities, right? My family, my kids, my wife, number one, I had better flight, I would say, right, which has to do with, you know, building a company. And then, you know, my personal life, my passion, right, by what I love doing, which is, you know, uh, triathlon, right? And, and, um, and within those three categories, right, and if I really want to be a good athlete, if I really want to be a good dad, if I really want to be a take better flight to, to greater heights, there's many things that fall out of those three buckets, right? Some are easy to say to know, others are a little bit more challenging. Let me share really tactical, right, easy things to say to know. Like if I'm invited to, you know, to cocktail hours or to any sort of activity whatsoever, breakfast or whatever it is, that is not getting me closer to achieve in these three buckets, you know, what I want to do, I'll just say no immediately, right? Uh, I'd say that's a, that's a big one. Number two, um, I'd say I, every year and every, at, at, at this point, every quarter, I, you know, I have a, uh, a deep dive with myself, right? Like I, I take almost a week to see what are my priorities and, and what I need to do to make that happen. And, and that clarity of writing down things, even if, if it's in one paper uh, around these subject areas, uh, I, you know, each time I have to make a decision to travel or to take this call or to do this or that, right? It gets easier to say, to say no, right? And I would say another, another, easy way that I've learned throughout the years to say no easily is to clear your calendar, right? When I started building Better Flight, remember five, six years ago, I was like Monday to Friday, even weekends, my calendar was full from eight in the morning. till you know, eight at night. And today my calendar's, my calendar's pretty open. I would say I work more than I, I, I used to, but, but I, you know, that, that, that allows me to jump into things that, again, are getting me closer to those objectives and, uh, you know, those areas of my life, uh, which I prioritize. So there's a really good book called The Essentialist, really good book that I gave to, to my, the whole leadership team at, at Betterfly, uh, which has been our, our leitmotif this year, at least the last 12 months, right? And, and the concept of, of simplifying to multiply, right? And, and at the end of the day, if you really want to, do well in, in, in one area, you really have to focus on, on one thing and not too many things at, at a time. Right? And I think it's something most of us in the startup world, right? Building companies 2021, 2022, it was very easy to say yes, right? Because there was a lot of things, you know, moving really fast and, and uh, a lot of opportunities. But, um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's a little bit how I do it. The Essentialism, it's, uh, it's The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg McCohen. Greg McCohen, and, yeah. And, and, First of all, I want to say thank you for saying yes to the podcast. You know, I know as founders, like we're, we're super busy and it's great that you take the time to kind of share a little bit more with the entrepreneurial community because you, you are part of that and you're, you play a prominent role in that. And so one question I have, I'm going to just kind of, I totally subscribe and I believe everything you said makes so much sense. One kind of question I have is that when you're so planned and you optimize so much, how do you create a space for serendipity and chance encounters that maybe you can't see? Yeah, well, that's, that's a super good question. And I'd say what I just said in terms of prioritizing, it has to be like the like when you eat healthy, 80-20, right? 
You have to leave, leave you know, 20% uh, a chance at random. You cannot control and be like a robot and everything in your life. Do it, you know. It's like what I tell my kids. I mean, 80-20, you can have chocolate cake. You can have, you know, pizza. It's like don't have pizza and chocolate cake every day, right? 20% of the week do that, right? So I do believe you do need to leave space for uh, for serendipity, for, you know, casual encounters and and sometimes go with your gut, which I think is really important in life. And, uh, and, and you know, many things happen that way. So, so yeah, uh, I don't Eduardo, know. You're, you're making me hungry, man. It's lunchtime over here in California. But that's, <laughs> so, so, so Eduardo, you mentioned that you had a career at, you know, JP Morgan, you were on your way, be, you know, to becoming a VP. What was the transition that happened and what made you kind of flip the switch and, and go down a completely different route? What are the lessons you learned from your time at JP Morgan that are applicable to Betterfly and your kind of career? Yeah. So it was, it was, a uh, so year 2013, you would have asked me, what, what are you going to do the next 10, 20 years? I would have told you, look, I'm going to be the head of M&A, you know, of, of JP Morgan uh, globally, right? That's my ambition. I want to, I, I love what I was doing, right? Uh, um, I was starting to be, to get a little bit stuck, right? I've been 10 years doing, you know, financial models, M&A, so on and so forth. But to be honest, I wouldn't have quit my job or, or wouldn't have changed careers if something hadn't had happened. And, and what happened at that moment in life was basically the, the fragility of life. I, I told you that I, I lost my, you know, my dad when I was young, when I was 16. Uh, that was a very uh, difficult moment in life. But this time around, you know, I was 35 years old, VP at JP Morgan, you know, living, living the good life, single in New York, you know, living in a city I always wanted to live, you know, uh, working in a place I always wanted to work. And my mom uh, got diagnosed by a very um, severe form of leukemia, right? A very, um, you know, unique and, and, and aggressive form of leukemia. Um, I traveled back to Chile for six months to, to stay with her and, and her disease. And, and, and to your question, Brian, that, that life event connected with losing my dad when I was young, I was like, damn, you know, life is fragile, right? I mean, things happen, change so quickly, right? And, um, and I started, you know, a very personal and uh, introspection about, you know, the meaning of life, right? And, and, and I said, you know, what are the words? What if you went out in the street and got hit by a bus tomorrow? Or, you know, you went to it, you take your cab and you got, you know, hit by a bus and, and died. How would you measure your life? You know, what would be the answer to that question? And then would it be, you know, my professional success? Would it be the money I had in the bank? Would it be, you know, what would be the answer to that question? And I started going down the rabbit hole of the meaning of life, right? I, I, I read books, I, you know, TED Talks, and I came to a conclusion, right? Um, that a good way to measure my life would be to see how I was using my energy, my, my skills, to make an impact in other people's life, not only in my life, right? So I started asking myself, okay, year 2014, what am I doing today in Manhattan, you know, to impact other people's lives? And I could not answer that question. And um, that in a very short period of time made me say, you know what? Okay, I need, I need a pause. I need to do something different. And uh, I'm very biased to action. So I went to my boss <laughs> that moment, uh, Ponche told him, Bunch of leaving the bank. I had just gotten a promotion. He's like, where are you going? Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stallion. And I'm like, I'm going to Africa. What? Africa? What are you going to go to Africa? I told him, look, I have no idea, but I want to take six months to focus all my time, my energy, and giving back and making an impact. And then I'll come back to normality. And, and to be, that was the plan. My plan was not to go, you know, volunteer for all my life. It was just take six months and focus my, my, my energy and giving back. And this is how life happens, right? And that journey 
you know, two things happened that planted the seeds for Betterfly. That was not part of the script. I just, you know, made that, that, that decision because of that. Uh, the first one has to do with childhood malnutrition. The second one has to do with Ironman and sports, reconnecting with that passion I had uh, early on. And uh, and a couple of years after that, you know, Betterfly was born. But what triggered to your question that that change was, uh, you know, being faced with the fragility of life, right? And, um, and, and asking myself the question, today was your last day, how would you measure your life? That made me quit what I was doing at the moment and, uh, and go towards a, you know, a different path. At the beginning, it was a free fall, you know, like just quitting my, everyone thought I was crazy, you know, from, from my mom to my brother, you know, the closer people to me were like, why don't you wait five, 10 years until you're, you know, a managing director, you have some savings. And I was like, something in my gut was like, this is the moment to make a change, right? And, and do something, uh, do something different. And in Africa, those those dots were connected with sports and giving back and burn to give and better fly was born after that. Uh, but yeah, that's what um, what um, what triggered that 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 that, that, that change. It, it's so interesting because it's it's so hard to just have those realizations without the backdrop of a difficult situation or some kind of life changing moment. And everyone I talk to that's had some kind of like catalyst for them, it's usually something hard or difficult, and so. It's always good to remember when you're going through those moments that that is a potential outcome of whatever difficult thing you're going through. But it's also really hard to have that presence of mind. Yeah, I think, look, for all of those who are listening, we all go through difficult moments in life, right? And one out of three, two out of three people, you know, actually walking in the streets are going through difficult times, right? And I think one of the, the, the biggest, I would say, mysteries of life is there's a book called After This, right? The obstacle is the way, right? And when we're going through difficult times, it's, it's actually blessings in disguise. It's very difficult to see that that way, right? <laughs> in, in that moment. But, but I really do believe in silver linings and uh, that life works in mysterious ways. And one of those is that, you know, the having a, a hard time personally, professionally, you know, in any part of your life, it's actually a, an opportunity in disguise, you know, sometimes make a change, sometimes grow as a person, as a human being, right? And um, it's easier said than, that, than done because no one wants to be in that difficult spot, right? And uh, when I look back in my life, when my dad passed away, when my mom, through her illness, I think I wouldn't, you know, uh, wish that on, on anyone else, but it was, they, they were inflection points in my life. I wouldn't be the person I am today. So yeah, I do believe that's, that's a little bit how life plays out, right? And uh and when I share my story, right, and the changes, like, because people always in entrepreneurship think that, you know, you jump to the pool when the pool is half full or, you know, you have everything figured out. In my case, at least that was not the case, right? And, and the dots were connected backwards, not, not forward looking, right? And, uh, in the case of Betterfly, we, I would not be here talking to you today if I, that wouldn't happen. And we just started trying to figure out the meaning of life and what I wanted to do in my life, really following my passion and what I wanted to do. So, yeah. I have a lot of directions I want to go. I want to ask you that first day, like where you went in Africa, what you were, what, what that was like. And then there's a, a lot of other things that, you know, I know you launched a crowdfunding, a green crowdfunding platform before Betterfly. So tell us, walk us through, like you get on the plane, you get to Africa and then maybe the su- succession of events that led you to Butterfly, the Betterfly. Yeah. yeah. So I'll actually start four or five months before Africa when I actually quit JP Morgan because I always had in my, I would say in my, in my gut, in my, in my heart, I wanted to start a company at some point in my life. And, and I think you asked me this before I didn't answer this. JP Morgan gave me incredible tools because for 10 years I worked building financial models, valuing, you know, different types of companies, M&A transactions, how to 
find intrinsic value, telecom sector, mining space, uh, technology. So not only did I work a lot, probably in, in, in dog years times nine, but you work on a regular job, but also it got me into the, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of what a business is, is worth and how, how to build them, right? Uh, but I really wanted to do the hands-on skill because I was an advisor, right? So something deep inside was at some point in my life, I would actually like to start a company and not be the advisor of a company, right? So when I, when I quit JP Morgan, the first thing I did was uh, JP Morgan asked me to stay four or five months before I left so I could transition, right? But my brain immediately switched to, okay, let, we're going to Africa. Let's, uh, and you want to start a company someday. So what did I do? I said, okay, how can I take advantage of these last three, five months I'm going to be in New York to make a bigger impact than the one I could in, in, uh, in Africa? And I'll try to make a very long story short, but basically, you know, I said, how can I use the influence, the connections I have in Latin America, right? To, um, to use that, you know, to, to, to do something in Africa. I had no idea, Brian, what to do. That was as, as vague as I'm telling you the, the, the idea. I just knew I was going to volunteer in Tanzania. That was all. So what I did, I started reading and I found on the internet this video of a Canadian dude that basically built a crowdfunding platform, okay, to build schools in Africa, right? And, uh, and I looked at, I saw his TED talk, right, what he was doing. I found it incredible, but uh, immediately I said, Damn, if we grab this and we apply it to Latin America, you know, we change this and that, this can be incredible. Long story short, again, I tried to reach out to this guy, you know, to, to you know, to never couldn't, could not reach him. Finally was able to reach him. And I told him, look, if, if you give me the opportunity in, in one week, I'll, I'll show you the business model and I'll, I'll actually program, you know, the web page in Spanish, uh, you know, uh, to build, you know, this crowdfunding platform so we can tailor it to Latin America. And he, tell, he told me, okay, give it a shot. So I, I'm, by the way, parenthesis, I'm, even though I worked in finance, I'm a computer engineer. So I never applied my computer engineering. This was the first time I was actually going to apply what I, what I, what I studied in, uh, in, in school. Um, so I built this webpage, um, and it, it ended up being an app afterwards. And it was basically to send personalized messages. He had this massive, typical crowdfunding, and I built this, this interface to send personalized message to groups of people to crowdfund and build schools in Africa. So I would send a message to 33, 33 friends to give $3.33 per day for three months. So it was a three, a game with the three, three. And we would be, we would be able to build a school for a thousand kids in, in, in Tanzania that did not have a, a way to go to school. Okay. It was the price of a latte, of a Starbucks latte, right? A day, $3.33, very easy and very personalized. So each of the 33 friends, I would say, Hey, Brian, I, I'm sure you're going to love this. Boom. And then a general message. So and I'm sharing this because th this became super important for better flight down the road. So I sent this to the guy. He told me, wow, this is incredible. Uh, okay. I'll launch it to your friend. Anyhow, in, in, uh, oh, the week before traveling to Africa, I spent three months building this. I launched the video to my 33 friends and we were able to build two schools in Africa for 2,500 kids that were sitting in, at home and were able to go to school. And that for me, Ryan, was the moment I think there was no going back. I was like, oh my God, technology can really make an impact in people's lives. Uh, that was, I jumped on a plane, went where the schools were built and that was just before starting to volunteer, right? So I started... I, I, uh, I, I did this pilot. I then invested uh, in, in this company. It was a B Corp, right? 
uh, the company did not work out that well. And it was a, one of those failure stories that I really like to share. Uh, uh, but we did build their schools. You know, these kids continue to be in, in those schools we built. Uh, but I learned a lot of lessons along the way. In Africa, I funded two other, other one green crowdfunding and another uh, NGO in, in the country. I got there to your question and I had to, you know, I was volunteering to elementary school students, English and math. And I told you I have a lot of energy. And, and when I got there, I, you know, I realized that volunteering was from 8 to 12 p.m. And I had the full day to myself. I was like, okay, I, I, I need to use my day in something else. So I started, uh, you know, using that spare time to, uh, to, to, to build these two companies. One was a, a green crowdfunding platform and the other one was an NGO uh, that used micro lending. All of them, I would say the only one alive today is the, the green crowdfunding. It never scaled as I thought. But I would say that those three companies, Change Heroes, Big Parks, and Yayo Fund, which are the three companies I founded in those six months, uh, have been, you know, all the lessons I learned there, and the fa- especially the failing, the failures, the things that did not work out, uh, are, are applied in one way or the other uh, at Better Flight today and are a, are a very important piece of the puzzle of, of what we're building. So, yeah, that's what I did. So I, I went on volunteering, building these companies, doing, uh, I did all these crazy things. On the weekend, I started, you know, uh, doing, you know, uh, extreme, I, I went kayaking in the Nile River. I went, you know, uh, yeah, some extreme sports stuff that were my, my, my time out in those parts. But it was mainly in Tanzania. Uh, and then I toured around, you know, East Africa and, and Kenya, Uganda, and a bunch of other places. Amazing. I mean, that is uh, packing in a lot in a short amount of time. And walk us through the Betterfly aha moment. Yeah. So during my time in Africa, in the last, I would say the last month, I was in my mosquito night, my mosquito net at night, you know, on the internet. And this video, as, as I mentioned, of the Ironman triathlon, you know, appeared in front of me, right? And I, I watched it, right? It's an hour, one hour summary. If someone's listening to this, you know, go see it, super inspiring. And after watching this video, Brian, something in my gut was like, damn, this is an incredible sport. I have to do this at some point in my life. Keep in mind, I'd never swam more than a hundred meters, never, you know, used a bike with cleats. You know, I, I knew how to ride a bike, but never properly rode a bike. I had run a 10K uh, and I was 15, 20 kilos heavier than I, than I am today. Anyhow, went back to Chile, okay, to see what I would do the next stage of my life. Uh, you know, I, as I mentioned, I had work, the volunteering work was with malnourished children. And I started, I signed up for a local triathlon in, uh, in Chile. And I started training for the race when I got back to Chile in, in 2015. Uh, and when I was biking, uh, I started to lose the extra pounds of weight I had, right? Uh, I was getting, you know, healthier, leaner. And in one of these bike rides, a, a crazy thought crossed my mind. And I said, what are the pounds I'm losing? I could convert them into pounds of food for these kids I met in, in, in Africa, right? And uh, as crazy as it sounds. And then in another bike ride, I was like, what if we could convert calories of sports into calories of food. And what if we could use technology, right, to inspire and to motivate people to get active and healthy by giving back? Instead of giving them a financial incentive, what if we could convert their calories of sports into calories of food, right? And that, Brian, was, I would say, um, the aha moment, how the company started. That's why the name before Betterfly was Burn to Give, Burn Calories to Give Calories. And and the initial idea, you know, was that using purpose as a motivator, right, and a driving force to get people active, healthy, well, would make a lot would, would make a lot of sense. 
uh, and uh, and the insurance component that, of course, is, is what came down the down the. You know, when when we started Burn to Give, we said I said the first step is to prove that you know people are actually motivated by you know burning and giving calories. Companies are willing to sponsor this, and if we we're able to achieve this, which we call the prevention, the protection, the the, the, the purpose piece. The protection piece, which is insurance, should be a really tightly fit bundle, right? That that fits into place, and that a couple of years after was part of our business model. So that was the aha moment, I would say. We launched same thing as the um, the crowdfunding campaign, no external financing. I said, you know what? We have to test this out. With my wife, she was the social uh, media uh, manager. I I built this web page where people could put their calories manually, right? They burned, and I did a thirty. So 30 days, same as the three months, remember, 30 days to burn 30 million calories and take 400 kids in Haiti out of malnutrition. And the only thing people needed to do was to exercise during those 30 days and input their calories in this webpage, burntogive.com. We did that pilot, zero marketing dollars, zero, um, zero paid media, anything. And we got 60,000 people using the web app, right, to donate and give their calories uh, we were able to take, you know, uh, a thousand kids out of out of malnutrition in Haiti and give them a, a three to six month feeding program, and that was just the MVP, and that was just me and my wife. So after that, I said, okay, we really have something unique here, and that's where I started building the business model, the pitch deck, and everything, and raised our our seed round uh, in uh, in two thousand seventeen. Talk to me a little bit more about how you converted these calories into food. Food, yeah. At that moment, the, the model was ad based, so it was we had people downloaded the app from from you know the app store. Then we had brands that would sponsor, you know, the calories burned, you know, by they would sponsor like the athletes. And let's say every five hundred calories, it was one meal. And let's say the meal cost you know one dollar, uh, the sponsors would give fifty cents to to purchase the food and fifty cents as revenue to better fly right as part of that of that of that um of that transaction. So it was a, an ad-based model uh, that very shortly we realized was not the way to go. And that, that's where we pivoted a year after that. And we went to a subscription-based model where we gave this to companies, right? But it was it was basically people burning calories, companies sponsoring the calories, right? The Coca-Cola, Samsung, Nike, right? All of these brands. And then the children receiving these calories, which of course had no cost. V- very cool. I mean, it's a very scrappy kind of... Very, very, very... Emotional, and, and you know, it, it motivator. Was, it was very motivating, and, and I remember the pitch. Imagine people say, you know, when they pitch their seed deck, you know, they got you get a ninety-nine no's and one yes. We got like nine hundred and ninety-nine no's and one yes because the business model was a very scrappy one. And, and what I pitched there was like, look, you will have my full commitment. This this business model has to pivot because it, it's not scalable as it is, right? And and but. The purpose and, and you know, and, and, and using purpose as a motivator to get people active, healthy, and then gearing towards, you know, the insurance space, which was the space I have worked with in the last 10 years and where I had the real expertise, business expertise, it makes, makes all the sense in the world. And there were, it was, you know, one fund that, that, that said yes, okay, to that crazy idea. And then, you know, that, that, that got us started. And who, uh, who is your first, inv- who are your first investors? They're a, a fund out of Chile and Argentina called Alaya Capital. They lit our seat round. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Good for them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, <laughs> and I remember Luis. Luis told me, Eduardo, this idea is great. You know, we love you. Uh, but, you know, it's 
you know, it's the monetization. What's your, and I told, and Luis always shares this story. I told them with all the confidence in the world, Luis, Bertolid is going to pay the fund that you're raising today, you know, it's going to be your success story. And, and, and it actually became, right? I'm telling you because it was, it was such a crazy idea. Luis thought I was crazy. And, uh, and that, and that, that, that became our reality in all two years, two years later. That's great. Yeah. Luis Bermejo, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's fantastic that, you know, you had an early believer and, you know, I think that fast forward, you're now building in the kind of flexible benefits, corporate insurance market. How do you go from that and, you know, get the, the next validation? You said you had to pivot. What were the kind of the key lessons and learnings early on that you understood was a pain that you could solve and you, you know, built the product to, to address it? Yeah. So, so I would say after six months, you know, the first six months after launching the, the app, we realized that, you know, the, the direction that B2C, which was our business model, was not the way to go for various reasons, because it was too expensive, because it was, it was, you know, the, the actual user was the product, right? And, you know, it's something that we did not want. If our mission vision was to, you know, empower people to live their best lives, we could not at the same time, right, be monetizing out of, out of, you know, them being stuck in the app all the time and so on and so forth. And, and number three, and most importantly, right, the connection with insurance, right? Insurance is, 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 is a product that, 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 that for us and for me, you know, was there from day one because insurance is a very, and life insurance is a product that is very connected to your lifestyle choices and, you know, the healthier, happier you are every day. But the reality is that today, except better fly, well, better fly does this, but, pre-betterfly insurance, you know, companies just sell insurance and you leave your life insurance and you actually never use it, right? So the, the vision was, what if we create a product, a life insurance product that people could use every day, right? And actually help them live their best life and not be a policy that is just there in the drawer and, and, and never gets used, you know? And how? what if we could combine prevention, right, with protection and purpose in, in, in a simple-to-use solution? And, and the and it made absolute sense from an economical perspective, from an incentives perspective and everything around it. And then the, the, the question was, how should we distribute this? And when you realize that 70, 75% of, of group insurance or life insurance is through employers, the, the obvious way to go is through the, uh, through the employee benefits, B2B or B2B2C business space. So we pivoted through, you know, we changed the name to Betterfly. Uh, uh, we pivoted to this business model. And, uh, and I would say the, um, yeah, the, the pivot was in late 2020. Uh, in, in late 2020, uh, it was a very risky one because, you know, the other model was working and it was working pretty well. I mean, we, we reached 3 million ARR in less than 12 months, which for, for a Latin America start since launch in, in the B2C burn to give days, which is not a bad number for a B, you know, for a Latin America company based in Chile, right? It was a explosive growth, right? Um, but this was bigger, right? And we ask ourselves the same questions that we've been doing the last six months in Betterfly and what, and, and it goes back, Brian, to how we started this conversation about, you know, going to the essential. What do we need to do to 10x, 20x the company in the next couple of years? And, and generally the question went to that question, to that, uh, the answer to that question is very different to the one you have to give when you say, what do I need to do to 2x or 3x the company? When you want to 10x the company, right? It's, it's what you're doing has to be different, right? What you're doing has to change. And uh, in our case, it was a change of name, it was a change of business model, it was a change of go-to-market strategy. 
And it was going back to the drawing board and incorporating uh, insurance into the value proposition uh, and for company. So yeah, so today we're basically a personalized protection platform for companies of all sizes with life benefits and, and social impact where, you know, we've created a sort of play though in terms of, we started with life insurance, but today a company, let's say an SME that gets better fly for 100 employees, each of those 100 employees can customize the coverage if they want life, pet, bicycle, uh, earphone insurance, right? Whatever they want, they can add top-ups, add-ons of additional insurance coverage. And also, you have the well-being component and the life benefits from headspace to, you know, fitness apps to, you know, uh, mental health apps, so what, telemedicine, etc. And, of course, the gamification, what we call, you know, you have a, the game of purpose, which is basically our, our, you know, a journey that users have throughout the app, which basically helps them live their best life. And the concept there is you have to grow and you have to give. So we have different levels where, you know, users to pass each level, they have to do what they love doing. Is it meditating? Is it investing? Is it exercising? But to pass a level, you have to give back, do an act of kindness or do something, a selfish act to, to, to someone else. So we call it the game of purpose and it's part of the, of the, uh, of the value probably of the, you know, of the, of the bundle that we give to companies. And yeah, so it's a subscription based model where companies get, get this for their employees and employees can add you know, additional insurance products when they, uh, when they have better. There's a theme here of like leveling up. I feel like, uh, with you, you know, whether that's athletic pursuits, you know, different products. And I've got a friend of mine who I do some road biking with and, and, you know, we're going to take a big trip here uh, with our families and go biking, you know, another country. And I remember the first time he took me out for a ride and he like, it was, you know, I'd ridden a couple times and then he took me on this like really, really crazy uh, road is called Sweetwater here in Sonoma County. And like, I just, it kicked my butt. Right. Like, and, and then I was, and then afterwards it was like, okay, I just leveled up. And so it sounds like that's been a big part of your journey. Yeah. So that's a really, really good point. And, and the leveling up another way to put it. And for me, I was actually this morning with, with my team talking about, you know, we're, we're, we're launching a new version of the game of purpose in, in, in January. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, life, if you separate a, a good life, what separates or differentiates a good life from a fulfilled life, you actually have two things, right? You can have a really good life. You can have financial security. You can have, you know, friends. And what separates that good life from a really fulfilled, you know, life is that you're always growing and you're always giving, right? And growth and contribution, right? And, and leveling up, growing, is it in sports? Is it in your life, personal, professional, whatever it is, we need to grow. If you don't grow, you're not fulfilled, right? And you need to give at the same time. So those two components, uh, and, and that's a really, uh, the leveling up, I, I, I love how you put it because it's, it's actually that, right? Leveling up to yourself, not to someone else, right? Because at the end of the day, you have to compete with yourselves and try to be a little bit better. And, and that growing uh, through endurance sports also to your question earlier, I think it's, uh, uh, something that makes it so addictive, right? Because you realize you can, you can improve and you know, you're fitter and you can do a little bit more, a little bit more. And, um, and yeah, I'm, um, I'm a, I'm a passionate, obsessive, uh, guy when it comes to leveling up and, uh, you know, becoming my best self, which at the end of the day also is, is the vision of the company, right? Which is empowering people to, to live their best lives, right? And, and, and each of us yeah. has, yeah. Yeah. And, and that best life can be whatever it is. I mean, maybe it's be, it can be, be a better parent. It can be better, be a better, you know, husband. It can be a better friend, whatever it is. But, uh, if there's a constant kind of pursuit of that, then it's a motivating factor. Um, yeah, I, I want to ask you something going back a little bit because there's something that caught my attention in 2000. 
20, you said that you guys pivoted, which three years in is a long time to pivot. Usually you, you try to pivot the first year, two years. You saw an opportunity and you felt like you had a good business. You added 3 million ARR. You could have kept building a good business. But was there a moment of clarity where you're like, this will not be the business I want it to be. And so the ambition would have been cut short because you were going after something that had a cap. And then how did your investors react to that? Because when you invest in something, investors are like, all right, like you're going to totally change. That's not what we invested in. Was there any difficulties in managing uh, that? Super good question. So first of all, it, it was actually one year because Betterfly was, we founded the company in 2018. Okay. But we launched the app late 2018. So it was actually a year after launching in late 2019 where we decided to pivot. And so I would say nine months after launching the app and the product, we basically realized we needed to pivot. And the reason why we needed to pivot, uh, why, why, why I decided we, we, we you know, we, to pivot was because of what you just, um, put out there. The ambition was, was much bigger. You know, I wanted from day one, you know, to, to create a global company that, that, you know, impact millions of life. The only thing that has changed in our vision, which is pretty crazy, Brian, and, and, I'll, and this is the first time I share it, I think in a podcast or, you know, the only thing that has changed is that it started with uh, impacting, you know, uh, the life of the lives of 1 million people. Then we took it to a hundred and today it's 300. And believe it or not, this week we reached 1 million subscribers, paying subscribers which is crazy to think about, you know, just three years ago was like the, the, the long-term vision. Thing. So, so the, the business model did not, you know, excite, let's put it this way. It was too small for what I wanted to do, right? If I was going to pour all my energies, all my time and the best years of, you know, of my maybe professional life, I wanted to do something more impactful than what I realized, you know, burn to give could do at that moment, right? And uh, it wasn't an easy it's a choice. So your second part of the question, Brian, investors were not happy. So investors, <laughs> early investors were like, are you freaking kidding me? You proved the model and now you want to pivot that. So to, there was no one single investor that told me this is the right way to, you know, you should do this. And I went with my gut and I told them, which is the, the truth, you know, you bet, especially earlier investors, you bet on me. You did not bet on a business model. And they told me, you're right. We bet on you. So if you trust me, Believe me, I'm doing this because I want to make something bigger. It has maybe a little bit of higher risk, but you're a VC and, you know, and well, anyhow, that, that conversation was not an easy one at that moment because uh, that was, things were already, you know, moving forward. Uh, but uh, of course it was, it was, I think the, the, the right decision, but it was triggered because of that. And that's why when, when I, I don't get asked this question that often. And I think it's a very important one, you know, as founders, you have to be doing something that you really love and then you're deeply passionate about because the journey is so, so freaking difficult that if you don't love what you're doing and you're not excited by it every Monday, Tuesday, Sunday, Saturday, you're just going to get so far because, you know, there's way more roadblocks than, you know, than, uh, than tailwinds. And, uh, and, uh, I think, uh, that's, uh, that's something very key, especially in the early days when you're, you know, when you're starting a business, right, uh, and, and and seeing where it's going to go, right? I think, um, you know, uh, it's uh, it's uh, it, it was that it was that reason, and uh, and yeah, and, um, and 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 being and and learning that the opportunity was was so big in the space we're getting into. I mean, B two B insurance, uh, 
is probably today the biggest blue ocean of any industry of any, you know, any, I mean, 95% of companies globally, it's a, it's a $5 trillion do not have the product we sell. So it's a, it's a, it's a green field, right? And it continues to be, and there could be, you know, 20 unicorns doing what we're doing only in Latin America. And we would still be, you know, uh, so that was so big that it was like, why is, why isn't anyone here? And that was actually the biggest, <laughs> you know, uh, question mark I had, like, why is no one else looking at this, at this right? And uh, uh, and uh, when we cleared that question mark, we just went all in. You know, I think that before I sold my company, I had the luxury and the privilege to ask my question, you know, myself those questions that I didn't have time to ask myself when I was starting, you know, and building Viral. And it's kind of like, what's your purpose? And those are kind of the only things that you, when you have the luxury of time to think about, you taking the time to go to Africa. Like that's an incredible luxury to take the time for yourself and visualize what those things are. Um, and so I think that shows when someone has done something and is building something with that motivation that just goes beyond making money or, you know, to be well known or, and so I think that, uh, that, that shines through when you communicate. I want to ask you a philosophical question. You, you top ticked your last round. You raised in February. 2022. I mean, you know, better to be lucky than good. Uh, when I, you know, I raised my round in Brazil in series C and it was like, you know, a week, a week later, the currency fell off a cliff and I had all this money in dollars and it, so the timing was really good. How do you change and adapt to the new reality? I know that you guys had to do a layoff and I'm sure that was super painful for you, but what do you think about in terms of your next milestone as a company now? And how are you running the company in 2023 that's you know different besides those obvious things? And what changed in your mind this current market scenario? Yeah, well, super good question. So the first thing, I think you put it in much nicer words than I did, than I would, because but it's, you know, as an entrepreneur, there's a mix of perseverance, of hard work, but there's also luck, right? And you have to be very humble to realize that, you know, at the end of the day, you you have, you have to put the work up. But there's certain uncontrollable factors, right, that come into play, like, you know, market dynamics, right? And, and yeah, we were lucky that we raised that round, you know, probably a couple of weeks after everything went north, right? So, so south. So, so, uh, and that's the reality, you know, it's not that I had a, you know, I, I see the future. Did you just say, did you just say north because you're from Chile? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's another way to say it. But, uh, but we were, you know, we were fortunate to be able to do that. And it was, you know, but it could have been the other way around. Now, uh, you know, we, it, the last, I would say, you know, up until that moment, Brian, you know, it's, we at Betterfly, and I think most companies was were playing, you know, uh, offense, right? And and I think it was because of the capital markets. And you know, we we quickly realized that you know there was a period that was coming that we needed to you know organize things and start playing maybe a little bit defense, right? Because you know things were moving too fast, not only for us, but you know the way to build a company, you know, at that velocity, you know, we opened up eight markets in less than twelve months, you know, with a very complex model, right? So we needed to fix things around, and and what we what we did at the end of that year, right, is is to, you know, sit down, same as I did a pause on a personal level two, three years back. We said as a company, okay, let's sit down and see what things we've done right, what things we we haven't done right, right? And uh, let's forget about external factors for a second. If we really want to build a lasting company, right, a global company that in three, four, five years is in 60, 80 markets, the first, you know, 
fintech global, com global company from Latin America. What do we need to do different? And what do we need to do to 10x in the next, you know, in the next, uh, in the next 18 months? And the answer to that question, right, was a, a bunch of changes. One of them, you know, was, 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 was the risk we did at the beginning of the year. And, and it was a very difficult one because not only was it by far the most difficult decision I've done in my professional career, but also it, it wasn't triggered by a capital need because we had just raised a, a round. It was much more raised, you know, triggered by, you know, the vision of, you know, what we, what we needed to do to grow, you know, to the next level, what we needed to change. And the last 12 months has been all about, you know, I would say not only efficiency, but sharpening our focus to scale and, and, and simplifying to multiply, right? And saying, as we started talking today, it's saying less, uh, less yes and more no, right? And what I mean by that is sharpening, sharpening, sharpening their, our focus, seeing what is our mode, what, you know, what, what part of our value proposition of our product. And this year we've, you know, we've invested, you know, I don't know what the exact number is. It's, it's, it's almost $50 million in R&D, right? And we said we have to invest in our product and our solution because that's, that's the real differentiator, right? And when the sun comes out, be it, you know, 2023, 2024, whatever it is, and we're ready to play offense back again, right? We have to build a product and a solution that the world has never seen before. And I'm proud to say that that's what we've been doing for the last 12, 15 months. And the next three months, we're going to share this with the world. And it's probably one of the, you know, it is the professional project I'm, I'm, I'm most proud about. And, um, and yeah, it was, it was all about that. So yeah, we, we, we put the, the, you know, we took the gas, you know, we, we did not loosen the accelerator, put a little bit the brakes, but the, and put the accelerator on building on R and D versus sales and marketing, right? That we have done the, the two years prior. And now I think 2024 is going to be playing offense again, right? And, uh, and taking better flight from Latam. To other countries like the US, like the rest of Europe, and uh, and eventually other other regions uh, as well. It's uh, it's a great story, and it's an example of Chile is is obviously not like the biggest country in Latin America, but there's a very high caliber group of founders. You know, I think of Dani Undurraga, you, a handful of others that have built these. We were, big we were classmates with Dani. We were classmates, uh, engineering classmates, to the last year. So we're, we're yeah with Dani, Chuck, with, with all of them. Yeah, 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 Jack, and, and you know that was an exceptional execution and a great story and success for for Latam, and there will be many more. And I think Betterfly is you know definitely headed down that path. And and I love how you're thinking you know really globally with it. And the pendulum does swing. Sometimes you need to focus on sales and marketing, and you get the top line, and then you need to invest in growth, and then you've got to build for the future. And so it's. Uh, it ebbs and flows, and the art of the CEO and, and the founder is to figure out what state are you in right now, and, and how do you set yourself up for long-term success? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, building a company is is is, is about, of course, creating value, you know, uh, learning. But as you say, in different stages, you have to, you know, at the end of the day, you're a capital allocator, right? And you have to realize where you have to focus at different moments in time, and uh and timing is something you cannot control, but I, I do believe there's periods for certain areas of focus, right? And, uh, and, um, with no certain outcomes, right? And that's, that's the beauty of building a company like, you know, like, like, like Betterfly and many others where, you know, like I share with my team in a year from now, I cannot tell you where we're going to be, but, you know, I think we've made the right bets and we'll see if those bets were the right ones, uh, today. If you could break down what you want out of 2024 in either a word or a phrase, 
distill it down to a balsamic reduction sauce? What would 2024 be all about? A balsamic reduction sauce? What, what do you mean by that? <laughs> a simplified, reduced version of something that, you know, that you can, you can crystallize and, and communicate in a short phrase. Now, take better flight globally. Right. Today we're okay, so it's glo- global expansion. That's amazing. I, I love the, I love the ambition. I love the leveling up. And when you're up in California, and you want to go for a bike ride, you'll uh, let me know. The other, the other wine country up north here. Will do. Will do, Ryan. I love, I love where you live. And uh, no, thanks again for the invitation. Happy to be here. And uh, and let's definitely go for a bike ride uh, uh, soon. If you're in Miami, let me know because there's. There's also really good rides here. It's a little bit hot, but, uh, but you know, we can, uh, we can manage it. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to Latitude Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast for more talks with great founders and investors. I'm your host, Brian Reckworth. Vamos Latam. See you next week.